0: Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Uh, what is nothing? Yeah, hey, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? Uh, what is something? That's deep, bro. to That's Deep Bro. I'm your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode of That's Deep Bro. Uh, Some business at the top. January 12th, the 8 p.m. show has sold out at the Ice House, the 8 o'clock show, so we've added a 10 o'clock show. Get your tickets at Christina P. online. Uh, It's going to be so much fun. I've got some other people opening the show with me. Uh, It's just going to be a real hoot. I got a whole new whole new hour of stuff to share with you guys, believe it or not, because the world is a crazy place and there's no shortage of stuff to talk about. So there's that February 2nd and 3rd, Salt Lake, Salt Lake. I I can't say it right because on your mom's house, I say Shart Lake titties and I'm trying real hard not to say Shart Lake shitty. Shart Lake titties, Utah. Wise Guys Comedy Club, February uh, 23rd, Calusa at the Calusa Casino. One night only, guys, and then I come home. One night, one show. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, God. March 30th and 31st, Portland, Oregon. Helium Comedy Club. I'm very excited. It's good. That, that's what 2018 looks like. Christina P. online uh, for ticket links and, and, and the like and merchandise. I got T-shirts. I got T-shirts. I got motherfucking T-shirts. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, other than that, I don't know, man. Hey, a fresh new year has begun, and if you're setting new goals for your business, it's extremely difficult to reach them without the right people on your team. And ZipRecruiter has transformed how you go about finding them. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invite them to apply. They even review every application to identify the top candidates so you never miss a great match. Wow. Talk about convenient. Talk about a time saver. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate. A quality candidate through the site in just one day. Wow. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash bro. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash bro. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash bro. Thank you, ZipRecruiter. I don't even know how people find people uh, to work for them. It seems impossible. Impossible guys love it or hate it there's no denying you could be shopping better you either spend all day at the mall and end up with yet another striped t-shirt or scroll endlessly online just to leave everything in your cart now you can shop the productive way and end up with the stuff you actually love with stitch fix (gasps) guys, believe it or not, I use Stitch Fix. I love it. I love it because I don't have to leave my house. Um, and whether you're looking to express your personal style, dress for the job you want, or just try something new, Stitch Fix can style you on your time. Um, and that's why I use it because I just tend to buy the same black shirt over and over. And I like Stitch Fix because it kind of puts a little zhuzh into my boring monochromatic style. Um, And they always pick good stuff because you fill out your style profile online. Stitch Fix sends you clothes, shoes, and accessories that are picked just for you. They're your size, uh, for your lifestyle, your budget, and of course, it's what you like. It's what you like. Each Stitch Fix box contains five items you can try on at home so you can see what works for your wardrobe and you only pay for the stuff you keep. And sending back everything else is easy because because Stitch Fix covers shipping both ways for returns and exchanges too. There's no subscription required. You can get your fix monthly, quarterly, or whenever you feel like it. I'm telling you, uh, like I said, it's a great way to spice up your wardrobe if you want to do it for the season changes or just maybe you've got something cool coming up and you want to have like a nice jacket or something. I like jackets. I like a jacket. I get a little uh, handbag. I got a little, maybe a belt. Because I hate, I hate buying belts, but Stitch Fix, easy peasy. So get started now at stitchfix.com bro. And you'll also get 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash B-R-O to try Stitch Fix today. stitchfix.com slash B-R-O. How's that? Thank you, Stitch Fix. We've all seen a mouth-watering healthy smoothie or acai bowl on Instagram or Pinterest and thought that's the kind of thing I should be eating. But who's got the time to make that every day? Wouldn't it be great if you could get those picture-perfect nutrients without having to hit the farmer's market and chop up millions of fruits and veggies? Well, now you can get all your superfoods super fast with daily harvest. Daily Harvest sends superfood eats straight to your door with your choice of smoothies, activated breakfast bowls, or nice cream vegan sundays. Each single-serving cup comes ready to blend or heat. Cups are stored in the freezer, so they're ready whenever you are. Their produce is organic and unrefined and looks as, as amazing as it tastes, and you can actually see all of the whole ingredients when you open the cup. Daily Harvest freezes all their ingredients at peak freshness, sealing in their nutritional value. Preparing each cup is insanely easy. Just add water, or if you're feeling fancy, you can substitute other liquids like coconut or almond milk. Yummy. Either way, your Daily Harvest cup is ready in just 30 seconds, so you can eat right, right now. Go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code BRO to get three items free off your first box. That's promo code BRO. For three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. That's daily-harvest.com. Thank you, Daily Harvest. Isn't that nice? I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Uh, let's get into it, guys. We come on in this loop, John B. Red. Be- the Beach Boys. You don't have no light inside. You're dead inside. You can't hear that and not and not feel a little bit better about things. I mean, the fucking come on, dudes. Come on. Now, do I listen to them all the time? No. But that song is so good. I know that's a remake of some Caribbean song, right? <laughs> fucking white man stealing shit all the time. Anyways, hi guys. 2018 is well underway. I'm super stoked. I've gotten into two television series. Um, the white queen What? I mean, it's about British royalty. Uh, oh no, it's BBC one. You guys have sent me many suggestions and I go through them all, but this one I found, uh, very exciting. The white queen about, you know, the war of the roses between, um, the house of York and the house of Lancaster. Uh, is it, was it called the War? It is. Cause there's like the red queen and the, the white queen, whatever. It's so, it's so great. <laughs> I love, I love all of it. It's a, what a horrible time to live in, you know, the 1400s. People just died randomly. Like the king's having dinner with his family and he coughs blood and then the next thing you know he's dead and everything's horrible. It's like, what? I mean, how did people even get like ear infections back then? I'm oh, just going deaf. What's that? Hurts? Done. Oh, your tooth hurts? Yeah, we're just going to yank that one out. And I love it because they all have perfect teeth on these shows. <laughs> perfect teeth, perfect skin. You're like, no, 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 no. No, y'all, y'all were nasty motherfuckers back then. You guys were all fucking nasty. Everybody was gross and smelly and their breath was probably terrible. I think they used to brush with like twigs back then. If they brushed, they, there was no soap or antiseptic or penicillin. I mean, first of all, antiseptic, uh, they, they finally discovered, I believe it was a Hungarian, a Hungarian who discovered uh, that women giving birth... They would, they would let them give birth where um, they had just had dead bodies, right? Like they would let women birth in, in morgues, essentially. And the mortality rate was so high for the mothers giving birth um, that they learned that when they moved the women to a sterile place where there weren't dead bodies, that A, they lived uh, longer, and that if the doctors washed their hands with a thing called soap in between delivering babies, that the, the, the outcomes were better for, for women and their children. (laughs) And at the time, excuse me, people thought it was lunacy to wash your hands with soap and water. They thought this I forget the name of the Hungarian guy, the doctor who came, who, who was like, Hey, listen, dudes, you got to wash your hands. This is, there's these things, germs and they're they're invisible, but they, could you imagine being the first person to say that shit? Like there's these invisible things called germs and they're on your hands and you transmit them to the, the, the body of the woman and then the germs and veins. You must sound like a total nutcase. And everyone thought he was crazy until they started doing it and they found that it worked. And then there you go. Isn't that how all of history is made? People thinking you're crazy. Uh, but anyways, the White Queen, uh, I just, I love it. The House of Lancaster. Edward the Fourth. And they're, the obsession with having sons, which is great, right? Because women can't possibly rule, even though Queen Elizabeth and Queen Victoria had two of the most prosperous runs in English monarchy. <laughs> okay, who's a fan? Um, it's so funny. And, and that whole, the male heir stuff, I mean, that is, is just rooted in bullshit sexism. Because later on, women did rule, right? Like I just said, we had Queen Elizabeth, uh, daughter of Henry, Right, Henry the Tudor, House of Tudor, uh, Queen Victoria. She ran. She ran the country with her husband, but then he died, and she ran for another. You know what is it, a million years. Uh, but it was just this thing, man. They had, and so they always blame the the queens, the women, for the outcome of the the gender of the baby. Don't you dare gender identify my son. Uh, but that's my favorite. Is that the women are always like? I swear, it's a boy. It feels like a boy. And then they give birth, and they like, ah, shit, it's a girl. And then the king gets mad at her. But now we know that the gender is determined by the man, so it's in his beanbag. It's in his spunk bunkers. That's where uh, the, the sex of the baby. Gender is in the mind. It's, it's sex. It's empirical. So, uh, uh, But these women were just Henry VIII. That's part, part of the reason he was killing off his wives. They couldn't produce a male heir or he had illegitimate male heirs, but he never had the, you know, he finally had one and he died, the little Henry. Anyways, who's got a life? I do. I was listening to, um, well, let me back that ass up. I broke down and went on a McDonald's um, bender. I normally... Let me just say, I don't. When I say Bender, I mean I break down and I get in the line, but I only order one small cheeseburger, a small fry, and a coke. Okay, I I, I draw the line. Like I just want the tastes. I like the the sweet of the ketchup. I like the sour of the pickles. The onions, just the perfect ratio on the cheese. It's like perfect. It's a perfect disgusting fake food. In moderation, totally fine, right? So I'm I'm in the shame line, and I'm I'm like I'm just giving in. I'm gonna enjoy this. And I turned to my other guilty pleasure, which is um Dr Laura <laughs> um Dr Laura, a conservative right wing um orthodox Jewish lady who doesn't believe gay people should probably get married or have children adopt children whatever um doesn't believe in the women 's movement <laughs> she's one of these people who um has the the idea that somehow things were better in the olden times. And it's a, it's a common human thing to assume that we are, you know, we're in a state of, of you know, de-evolution and devolving. And somehow uh, in the 1950s or 40s, there was a magical time in which um, things were better. And, and if we could just get back to that magical place where women didn't have bank accounts um, and listened to their husbands and couldn't own land... Uh, and couldn't leave the house. Like that was better, right? For everyone, right? <laughs> I don't know why she's so insistent. Anyways. Um, I like her b- because she is a therapist. I guess she, oh no, she wasn't. I'm sorry. She was like a sports medicine person. <laughs> she became a shrink. I don't know. No, I, th- I believe she has some kind of a qualification that makes her a therapist of some sort, but I like listening to psychology. I think it's fascinating. Um, because what else are we talking about but what human beings are thinking and feeling and why we act the way we do? And, you know, you know me. But I love therapy. I love seeing my shrink. I love um, going in there with my head turned around and leaving feeling completely fine with the world. Uh, so I listen to Dr. Laura, and it's great because the calls are all, you know, these people are totally like, I don't know why what's happening. And then she's really mean to them. Yes, you do just say it, just say what's wrong. She bullies and is just a shit, shit dick to them. But there was one call and every, every, every 10 calls, there's one where you're like, Oh fuck, that's a good one. Um, this woman uh, called in and she said, my, uh, I was preparing a Christmas feast for my family. You know, everybody was coming and I made my mother in charge of bringing, um, almost all the food and my mother calls five minutes before it's supposed to be dinner time, and she says she's going to be a few minutes late. She's wrapping a few presents and But she doesn't show up in a few minutes. She shows up three hours later, and everybody's gone because there was no food, and the party was supposed to happen three hours ago. And what do I do uh what do I do with my mom, who you know is an inconsiderate piece of shit and Dr. Laura goes, "Oh, it's so fucking great, so great." she's like. Something tells me this isn't the first time this has happened. And the caller's like, no, no, it's not, Dr. Laura. You're right. You're right. My mom's always been an inconsiderate piece of shit. She never shows up on time. She always holds things over her head. And then Dr. Laura's like, yeah, because she enjoys controlling you and she enjoys uh, the attention that that brings. And um, and she doesn't really care about you. And she was like, what? Like this lady's head just exploded. It was so fucking amazing. Um." And anyways, the point being that, yes, the mother was kind of a shit dick and had done this in the past and would show up late and would be all about her and never thought about her daughter or the other people in the family. And Dr. Laura said this fucking great thing that made my head explode too, my, this caller and I simultaneously had our minds blown. She goes, well, because you've, your whole life you felt as though you had to earn your parents' love. And did you know that you don't have to? And then the caller goes, yeah, you're right, because my kids don't feel that way. Like, they know I just love them. She goes, yeah, because a mother's love is just given. There is no idea of earning <laughs> parental love. And I I had never, like, I, you know, you hear these ideas, and until somebody says the words in a certain order that makes sense to your brain, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wh- what? You mean I don't have to be a, a successful comedian or make a lot of money for my mommy and daddy to... To like me? Oh, because they never will. They're never gonna like me. Oh shit! <laughs> uh, but also the addendum being to so many people, so many of us that have parents that we feel as though we have to, you know, take care of. Maybe some of a lot of you actually email me, and you're in the caregiver position. Some of you in your twenties taking care of uh, elderly or not so elderly, but needy, sick parents, emotionally sick, sometimes physically sick. Feeling as though you have to achieve to earn the love of your parents. Feeling as though you have to make them feel special. Does that sound familiar? Right? And, um, and basically walking on eggshells and catering to their emotional needs. And let me tell you, if you don't know, because I certainly did not until I got healthier in therapy, uh, <laughs> that's not how it goes. Did you know that? But that's not how that shit goes. They're the parent. You're the child. And I got to tell you that my son, all he has to do is lay there and I am enamored of him. He just has to smile and not even, actually, no, he can piss on me. He can cry. He can barf on me. And I am just enthralled with him, with who he is, with everything, everything, his essence, his being, um, because he exists and that's how it should be guys. That's how the parent-child-thung thing, thung thing happens. And when the wires get crossed for whatever reason, when that paradigm shifts and moves for some whatever reason, and you feel bad about yourself because you've got a parent who has their own problems and they make you feel inferior because they don't give you that kind of unconditional love and support, you internalize that like it's your fucking problem, right? I'm a piece of shit. I must be bad because mom and dad don't love me. I must be you know, of a loser, a failure, Da 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 Maybe if I didn't become, maybe if I became really successful, then they like me. Or maybe if I became much more loving, maybe this time, maybe if I, maybe if I, uh, you know, buy his favorite things or her favorite things, or maybe if I take care of them better, maybe if I'm a better kid, they're going to like me. Uh-uh. And uh, anyway, this Dr. Laura call, uh, she said to stop trying. Stop trying to get the approval and love that you're never going to get because chances are, you know, unless they have a lobotomy or an amazing epiphany or a head injury, they're not going to fucking change. They're not that not really. No, especially if they're real narcissists or real you know alcoholics or whatever. Um, no, there's no. Mm. So to stop trying and to focus instead on the people in your life who do give you unconditional love and to stop torturing the, your family. A lot of us get married to people and then we torture the spouse with the drama of the family of origin, right? Oh my God. I have to say, to my credit, I will toot my own horn that I seldom dragged my husband into my mama drama when she was alive. Seldom, seldom, seldom. To the point that when she did die and we had to go through her stuff, he was like, whoa, she was really fucked up, huh? I was like, yeah, I didn't want to tell you. So uh, and and those of us too by the way that grew up with the the wacky family stuff a lot of us feel like we have to marry into another wacky family because they get it because they understand it no you don't no you do not and um you don't have to have friends that totally get it and people don't need to totally get it. it it really isn't it's not it's not um how do I say this? Like who the fuck wants to be on that side of the equation all the time thinking about how dysfunctional shit is and this and that. Now I talk about it on this show, but it's not to, um, to stay stuck in that mentality. It's not to, uh, to be a victim. It's not to glorify the woe is me of that situation. It's to say, Hey, this is why you might feel fucked up so that the people listening to this program, and I know that there are a lot of you because you fucking email me uh, for you to know that it is not you, my beloveds. It isn't not most of the time. It's not, it's not, it's not you, it's them. And, and that's a great starting point for getting your life and getting fucking free and and freeing yourself from any perceived limitations you may have, because that's what, that's what causes all of that. Um, you know what I mean? And nobody fucking will tell you that, but I'm going to tell you that. So there we go. Uh, Okay. So a lot of uh, emails have come in Uh, A lot of uh, anxiety in the new year A lot of work stuff um, A lot of people worrying about jobs and employment So let's kind of start there And let's do our theme song You want to know why you're all fucked up? Okay Uh, This one just came in Okay This one comes in from a a gentleman Let me put my glasses on Because I have 41 year old eyes when did that happen? I'm squinting. I caught myself squinting at this computer last week and I was like, oh, and then I realized like everything I've been squinting at like am I going to be one of those people that has extra large font when those text messages come in? You've seen your friends who are like 50 and their their texts are enormous. That's where I'm headed. Okay. Uh, This person writes in, so I got laid off last week from my full-time gig. I was actually, it was actually a fuck-off job, but it allowed me a chance to pursue my dreams as an actor. And while I know the odds are always against me on this, it's actually something I fill most of my waking moments with. So here I am waiting to see if I'll get anything to survive unemployment, trying to keep the anxiety at bay, worrying about a future, but trying to focus on just calming my screaming brain. I'm exercising, meditating, keeping a journal, and reading a fuck ton of Seneca and Marcus Aurelius, but my brain just keeps hammering me with the fact that I'm about to be 30 in a few weeks and I can't even keep the stupid liquor store job, That I'll probably be on Skid Row in a few weeks. I'm just wondering how I deal with such a massive shift of time and identity as I throw myself back at the howling wolves of the workforce. I know I don't want to be caught in a dead-end job like this last one, but I fear I'll land in a place that will keep me from acting." I don't know. I think the layoff will, be, will probably be for the best and will allow time to grow into the person I want to be, but the shock doesn't wear off quick enough. Okay. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Um, yeah. You're full of anxiety because you're not doing shit. You're trying to calm the, the, your brain by all this fucking nonsense like exercise, meditating, journaling, and reading, horse shit. But none of that shit's going to keep your bills paid. And none of that shit's going to make you an actor. That's why you're full of anxiety. goddammit. damn it. Uh, that's why we feel anxious when the shit hits the fan. And you're like, how can I fend off? Ang-? Here's how you fend off anxiety. Take action. Swift, decisive action. And when you're in a crisis like you are right now, getting laid off, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course. It's scary, and that's why you need to do anything necessary and start now. By the way, the biggest mistake people make and I made when I got fired a few times is to take a break right away, thinking like, well, I'll just take two weeks off and then I'll start looking. No, 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 don't do that because that's how you get behind on your bills. So what you want to do, you get fired, you feel bummed out the first night, and then the next day, the next fucking day, you start looking for jobs because it takes a while. It takes about a month, I'd say, on average, to find the replacement gig, okay? Don't rest on your laurels. Just fucking suck it up and move on, soldier. And let me tell you something. Let me tell ya! you. You want to be an actor. Um, A, I know people will tell you left and right to discourage you. This is crazy. No, actually, it's not crazy. And it's, it, here's why. It's not crazy if, A, you live in the right part of the world, Los Angeles or New York, okay? Do you live in one of those two cities? If not... Get your ass to one of those two cities. Um, two, are you handsome-ish? If not, then you're a character actor. Find your lane. Three, if you want to be an actor, fucking act. I can't tell you how annoying it is uh, growing up in LA, where I see people who are like, "I'm an actor," and I'm like, "Really? What play are you in right now? What class are you in right now?" Oh, I'm not, but I did this and I did. No, 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 no. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, here's what you can do. Read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. It explains how creative people must hustle. Uh, if you've decided to be a creative person, you you live a life of constant hustling, constant um, anxiety, and you must be creative under that anxiety, under that duress. There's no such thing as um, anxiety-free <laughs> creative person. It, 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 guess what? You're always going to be under the gun. So Yeah, you can be an actor. Look, I I don't know why people don't listen to these fucking uh, jealous, uh, hating, you know, small minded, low frequency, low dwelling, um, you know, non dream realizing losers who tell you you can't be an actor. Yes, you can. But you have to be really good at acting. You have to be acting all the time. You need to be in play so that the casting director of some blah, blah, blah sees you randomly. And that's how you create opportunities for yourself. And especially in this era, my God, if I were an actor today, I would be self-making whatever shit every day and putting it up on YouTube. Can let me tell you somebody about somebody named Melissa Senor. okay? This girl was young, 23 when I met her, I think, um great impressionist, amazing impressionist, was on America's Got Talent. Um, I forget how she ranked, whatever. And then she toured after and the club circuit, it, it wasn't for her. She was maybe too inexperienced, too young, whatever. And, and she thought, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do anything with this, blah, blah, blah. She was on that steep Row, actually. You can listen to her on my show back in the vaults, Melissa Villasenor. And you know what she did? And I watched her do this she got on Instagram every day and did impressions of, of random, of Gwen Stefani, of Haley Joel Osment, like all these random people. And they were really fucking good. They were amazing. And her output was amazing. And, um, I don't know if she worked then. I don't know what she had done to make a living, but, but I thought, well, wow, that's really the ethic you need to have as a creative person, as a show business person, as an actor, as whatever. And I don't know if you recognize her name, but she's a cast member on SNL right now. And when it happened, we were fucking thrilled for her because she's just bananas talented, an amazing impressionist, so funny, and she deserves it. But her output was alarming. Now, do you think anybody would see her doing anything if she just sat at home and freaked out and tried to keep her anxiety at bay? No. Instead, she turned the camera on herself and she did the thing she wanted to do. And that's what you must do as a creative person. They're, nobody's going to anoint you an actor. Nobody anoints you. That, that's my one fucking problem with shows like, um, you know, The Voice or what is that American Idol horse shit. I think because it fulfills the American fantasy of like, well, I can just, you know, want to be famous or be a singer. And then hold on, I'm taking a sweatshirt off. One day I'll win a contest or one day some big agent's going to walk in and anoint me and then I'm going to be famous. It's that, that stupid princess fantasy that we've seen in Disney films over and over and over. And it's successful, the myth, because it doesn't involve work. It doesn't involve hard work. The hard work of being a successful actor or writer. If you're a writer, same fucking story. If you're a comedian, if you're a singer, if you're any entertainer, It is a marathon. Now, uh, you're 30 and you're still not where you want to be. Yeah, welcome to the club. It's called being an artist. Most of us, when we turn 30, we're still fucking losers. When I was 30, yeah, I wasn't even a feature act yet. I was still desperate to be a stand-up comedian full-time. I probably, yeah, I still had a day job. I was living in a... I was living alone in a shitty silver Lakey place with like no AC or, <laughs> um, yeah, I was a loser at 30 as well. And I, I, you know, and I think this is another myth that you need to be like a millionaire by the time you're 30. Very few of us have our shit together, together, together by the time you're 30. So give yourself some slack, focus on the thing. If you really have a burning desire, fuck your anxiety, put it aside and do. That's number one, is just fucking do it. Get your ass in the class. Put whatever money you have into acting class. And if not a class, you're in a play. You're always doing the thing you want to be doing. I I can't stand it when I hear people saying that. Oh, I'm a writer. I'm a singer. Really? What are you working on? Nothing. Well, then you're not doing that thing. (laughs) You're not. Let me. When my special came out, And it was on Netflix, October, was it 10th? Guess what? October 11th, I was writing new material and I was out trying it out. And it's just, it's nonstop the grind, the hustle of being creative. And you know, The the War of Art's a fantastic book to help you get over your demons and your anxiety because I know I've been there. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of self-doubt. There's a lot of who am I to do this thing that I want to do, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of self-loathing. So, you know, here's what you're going to do in the meantime. Can you fucking drive a car? Well, guess what? Now in this fantastic era, you can be an Uber driver, a Lyft driver. You can fucking buy people's groceries for them. People like me that are lazy. I use Instacart. You know what that is? A service where people like me, 40-year-old people pay 20-year-olds or whatever, 30-year-olds to buy my groceries for me. Great. I use Postmates. You know what that is? Food delivery. Again, some 40-year-old pays a 20-year-old to pick up their fucking tacos because they're too busy to do it. Great. There's all these jobs now, and and there's no excuse in 2018 to be crying about, like, what do I do? Are you fucking kidding me, dude? (laughs) This is an economy of, like, these, these temporary gigs it's a temporary gig economy. I think the era of the corporate, I don't know. I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, hustle, dude. There is no keeping the anxiety at bay. In fact, you're going to use that anxiety. You're going to put it into your creative work. You're going to start writing things, creating things, whatever that's infused with your anxiety. That's how I wrote some really much better jokes because I ex- broke, it broke me down being anxious all the time, being depressed all the time, being poor, worrying. Boy, you start to create shit real fast (laughs) when you need 30 minutes to go feature, uh, you know. Oh, shit, what happened to my mic? So, I mean, it sounds to me, you just, you know, you're you're in it, you're scared. Overcome your fear and fucking dive into it, dude. That's the only thing. (sighs) Okay. Here's another one. This guy writes in, he, you know, his, his uh, I'm going to paraphrase here. His dad basically berated him and, um, you know, made him feel like a schmuck his whole life. I moved to his mom. Mom was much better to him. He's still in contact with his dad. He helps him ride motorcycles. And I see him maybe once or twice a month, he writes. My problem is that when it comes to self-confidence, I have almost none. And when it comes to any sort of change in life, I get massive anxiety. My work is downsizing in a month or so, and and the job Hold on. And I think, well, I can't operate machinery or stuff like that, I would probably suck at that, et cetera. So he's reading these new jobs online and he's telling himself that he can't do these things. And the thought of changing to something new drives me crazy. My question is, how do I get past that? I talk myself out of the simplest things, mainly because I'm afraid of messing up or I don't feel like I'd be good enough. I know it's a hard question to answer, but my childhood thoughts of, I guess I'm not good enough have been ingrained into my adult mind. Getting a job or starting a career is only part of my life that is lacking at the moment and it is killing me. Okay, Basically, this guy um, had a dad that berated him and treated him like shit as a kid. Uh, He grew up He moved to his mommy's house. Mommy was much nicer to him. Thankfully, he still keeps in touch with his dad. He needs to find a new job in a month. Um, But he doesn't feel like he can do anything that he's reading, right? And that's normal. Listen, I fucking... Yes, we've all been there. We've all been at the lows. Uh, We've all felt that. So at least you know why you feel like shit, my love. Um, Because your dad's a shithead who probably said horrible things to you, and now you've internalized those things as your thoughts. Uh, here's what you can do. No, I'm really proud of you, by the way, that your work is downsizing in a month, and you're also, you're already looking for something else, which is fantastic. Because let me start by saying that the corporation does not give a fuck about you, boy. That is the truth, man. Hey. Then no one cares about you. Very seldom. I mean, I've worked in some jobs where it was like a mom and pop operation and they did give a shit about us. But most of the time, plan on being downsized, plan on being let go at any moment. I would say, you know, always be not always looking, but have it in the back of your mind as a potential thing that, yeah, it's probably going to happen. They're going to get rid of me um i've seen it happen and, and also in the corporate culture kind of feeds into that um, anxiety about it all the time it's pretty horrible uh but yeah good for you for being vigilant and you have a month so you're responsible and you're looking and, and you're worried because you can't you can't do this and you can't do that so we have a crisis of self-esteem right we have a you know what your problem is which is great which is i don't i don't feel like i can do anything i'm not i'm not worth anything and uh I'm sorry you feel that way. That's fucking terrible. And I guarantee it's not from you, these thoughts and oh, this and that. Um So here's what you're going to do, my love, because you're going to need a little reprogramming of your mind. It's going to start from the outside in until finally it comes from the inside out. Yeah? Because sometimes we have to start on the outside and work our way in. We're going to have to... You're going to have to start, you're going to have to fake it until you make it, right? That old saying. Same goes for self-esteem for some of us, for some people who fucking don't feel great about themselves. <laughs> so here's how you do it until eventually it becomes real for you. Um, I think it starts by A, identifying your limiting beliefs, right? I've talked about this on the show. You're limiting beliefs. What is it? What, what's the thing you think you can't do? I'm not good at anything. I'm not smart. Uh, what's a thought? I'm not handsome enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not qualified. I'm not competent. What, what's the thought? Once you identify the thoughts that are lacking, I would say do good old fashioned positive affirmations. That's a good place to start. Uh, there's a wonderful lady by the name of Louise L. Hay. She's now gone, but she wrote wonderful books on affirmations. And she's a, a great entry point into the self-help world. Louise L. Hay, look her up. Um, she and people like Tony Robbins. Um, God, they are, there's so many self-help people. Wayne Dyer. uh. I'm trying to think of offhand these people who are just fantastic. Well, there's Napoleon Hill, the old school guy, Marianne Williamson. All these people have created audio programs and books to help people with this exact problem, okay? So you're going to find the person that speaks to you best, who speaks your language, because it's all the same stuff, it's just in different words, different ways of saying things. Uh, I don't know if you like females or males, whatever. Just, you know, Google self help, blah, blah, blah. But start with Louise Hay. I think she's a good starting point. And Hay House is her publishing company. And she has so many authors and so many different ways to help yourself. So your mind is fucked up. Well, what am I going to tell you, first of all? Get your life, get into therapy. Get your fucking, you, you know, you're fucked up, right? You hear it. You're 21, you're so young. You're so young. This is a great time to start therapy now before you're 41 and you're divorced and you have five fucking kids and a mortgage and you're miserable and you're an alcoholic and this and that and you've screwed up your life because you don't know what's going on because you're depressed and you're anxious, blah, 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 blah. So A number one, get your life, find a fucking therapist. Don't tell me you're broke. Don't tell me you have no money. None of us fucking do when we start therapy. So... Find somebody who works on a sliding scale. Google the phrase, sliding scale therapist, and then your zip code. Okay? Start there. And by sliding scale, I mean you can find somebody who can treat you for fucking $20 sometimes. $20, $15 a session. So there's no excuse. There's no excuse. In the meantime, read these books. You're going to have to get the affirmation from the outside because it doesn't exist on your insides yet. Yet. Uh, Read Louise Hay's book on affirmations And how that works And how the mind works You got a mind problem Your mind's telling you wrong things So just reprogram the mind You have to reprogram it You got to do your your wiring bro So you're going to tell yourself I am competent (laughs) I am a, a, a smart person I am good at jobs I can do these things Right. That's how affirmations work You switch the thing around so, for instance, if you have uh, a problem with money, I, you don't say to yourself, um, I don't have any money. You say to yourself, I am abundantly wealthy. I am full of cash or whatever. My bank account is increasing every day because then you're going to look for stuff in the world that's going to match that thought. That's the whole the principle behind positive affirmations, right? You're going to start reprogramming your mind, and then you're going to... Make better decisions because your fucking mind is working right. Yeah. Read people. Read people you like. Google, you know, self-help. Google low self-esteem and then whatever. Who comes up? I like Louise Hay. I think she's a very gentle spirit. Um, Tony Robbins is great too. He's got a million books and CDs. Wayne Dyer, great. Uh, Get into these people man You know we forget that the self-help movement And psychology and stuff I mean it really only became popular In the US in the 80s Before that we were all just wild dogs Running around uh, Making bad decisions Treating each other like garbage Now there's really no excuse Because there's so many resources out there For fucking free On this little box in front of me That's lit up Made of binary zeros and ones Little coding in here there's nothing but resources, kiddos. You just got to know where to look. So start there. Okay. Here we go. Hi, mommy. Hi, mommy, Christine. I love your podcast. Thank you, mommy. Okay. Oh, she says, I have to start out by saying that I also grew up with a borderline mother. It was very rough, but seeing a counselor helped me through my teenage years. Your podcast Last week at home, borderline parents can be a challenge that doesn't have to do with why I'm emailing though, okay? I was curious what your opinion on this is. I'm recently divorced and started a relationship pretty soon after splitting with my ex. Not something I regret, Uh, and this relationship is actually healthy. Uh, Lately, he has been working an opposite schedule of mine, and so we are home at different times. I find myself having great difficulty with this. I'm not one to go out by myself. I usually stay home, watch Netflix, feel sorry for myself, and sometimes cry because I feel lonely. I guess my question is, what do you do to combat loneliness? How do I learn to love myself and learn to enjoy spending a night alone? Okay, Lexi. Um, well, I mean, uh, how often is, is this guy, is this a permanent thing that he's working opposite schedules than you? That's, that's pretty bad. Um, uh, uh, is this a permanent thing? Is this a temporary thing? I would start asking that question. Um, cause really finding a partner, you kind of, you know, want to make sure that you, are compatible with the amount of time you spend together and the amount of time you don't spend together. Otherwise that could be problematic. Um, you know, sometimes women or men marry workaholics or whatever that aren't around all the time. And if you can't handle being alone, it's not going to work out for you. So, um, uh, so in your situation, you know, you've chosen somebody who has left you to your own devices more often than you would like. So you have to make the decision of am I going to stay with this person? And if I am going to stay with this person, um then I've got to figure out how to be by myself and there's I think there's a few ways of being by yourself, right? There's the one that's like healthy, which is a night in. And I'm going to watch, you know, five episodes of The White Queen. And I'm going to fucking love it. And I'm going to fart as much as I want. Now that that's ever stopped me that Tom's around. And I'm going to eat in bed because he doesn't like when I do that. And I'm going um, to fucking let it hang out, dude. And I'm going to enjoy that. Um, there's a the kind where you're isolating being alone right which is um i don't want i don't feel like talking to anybody i don't feel like doing anything i'm afraid of talking to people i'm afraid of going out i don't want to go out i don't like people people are overwhelming to me i'm just gonna hide and then i'm gonna eat a lot i'm gonna drink a lot i'm gonna do this behavior that's not very healthy because i'm isolating because i'm afraid of people because i'm actually very scared of my own feelings Or I'm scared of having feelings or maybe I'm scared of relationships because I've been hurt too many times. Whatever. There's that type of being alone that requires uh, therapy and intervention (laughs) because ultimately that that doesn't lead to good places. Um, Or, I mean, look, here's my advice to you. If you want to stay in this relationship, you're going to have to hang out with girlfriends more. So find your girls. You're going to have to cultivate a hobby. Um, Maybe spend more time and focused on your career. Maybe get a dog. You're going to have to find a way to fill that loneliness if you want to stay with this guy. And that's just kind of the, uh, that's kind of the trade-off. Unless you can tell him, hey bro, can you switch your schedule? Because this is not working. And I'm very unhappy and I may have to leave there's that too. But if you want to stay with them, it's probably easy for you to adapt. If you're crying and you feel so lonely, yeah, you need to make friends and do something outside. Um, what are you interested in? Take classes. I've always found that's kind of a cool thing. Go, go to where the other people are doing things you want to be doing. I mean, I'm kind of lucky in that if I ever feel lonely or I want to do something, I can just go down to the comedy store and, like, I have built-in friends. There's always a friendly face at the store or whatever comedy club in town, in any city. I can go to the comedy club and meet a comic. And because it's a mutually shared um, interest, activity, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, yeah. I know it's a bummer, though. It sucks being alone all the time. It's not fair. <laughs> Uh, rescue a dog. That's always a good thing too. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Anyways. All right. I got to go, you guys. I got to go. I got to take care of my doggies. My, um, little Bitsy, we, it's raining in LA and I don't think she's ever seen rain, but like twice in her life and she's refusing to go take a shit outdoors, which is not a good thing for me. So she's probably shit in my kitchen right now as we were, uh, as I'm recording this. <laughs> Fucking awesome. Thank you, dogs. Um, All right. Email me. That's deepbropodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what's going on in your world. And uh, yeah, until then, I will uh, talk to you next week and stay deep, bros. Now what? I don't know philosophize with it. With.